Welcome to the Life's Valleys and Mountaintops podcast. I am your host, Gina Johnson, a certified life coach. You will find stories here from people around the world sharing some of their most difficult journeys through illnesses, accidents, and trauma. Join me on my mission to create a community where people overcoming belong. We inspire and help one another to rise above our difficulties until we make it to our mountaintop. Let's meet our guest today. Happy Remembrance Day. As everybody will be taking a moment of silence today, we will remember those who gave their lives for us to enjoy and experience the freedom that we have today. A big thank you to all of those that have served or are serving for our freedom. Today is a throwback episode from 2014 with Timothy Lawson. Timothy is sharing his journey of overcoming cancer at a very young age. After Timothy was a veteran, and he has a great project website called One Too Many Veteran Suicide, and you can check it out if you're having any difficulties transitioning from service, feeling suicidal, or just in need of some support. That'll be linked in the show notes. It's onetomanyproject.com. And we're just going to jump right into the interview with Timothy Lawson. Timothy, welcome to the podcast. Please start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you. Yeah, so uh, I currently live in the District of Columbia, but I have lived in about a dozen different places in the past 10 years, originally coming from the greater Northwest. I spent about five years, five and a half years in the Marine Corps serving as a, a Marine security guard, got out and started to pursue my bachelor's degree, which I'm finishing up right now in broadcast journalism, and um, you know, started a business with Lost Entertainment that revolves around a, a podcast network. Wow, it sounds like you've been very busy. Yes. So congratulations on finishing up your degree. That is just wonderful to hear. Yeah, I got, uh, I think about two more. I think, I think, uh, hopefully by the end of the next semester, I should be able to have it wrapped up, I hope. Wow. Well, that is wonderful. And while you're going to school, you've been working on getting your own business going as well? Yes. I sort of had a sort of a, a epiphany. Um, I, when I was finishing up one of my podcasts, I was, I was originally pursuing a degree in psychology and I realized like, I don't, you know, I'm fascinated with this, this material, but I have no interest in having a, a professional life in psychology. And I had just finished recording a podcast. And I was like, oh my goodness, why am I not doing something that uh, is involved more with this? So um, that's what got me into broadcast journalism. And then I realized, well, if I'm going to take a career path uh, in this direction, I might as well start a business around it too. And um, so yeah, I've, I um, started business, lost entertainment and um, started producing uh, a number of podcasts. So Timothy, tell us a little bit about your podcasts because that is how I ended up meeting you. Yeah, so uh, I pod- started podcasting originally uh, probably about three years ago. Sort sort of when podcasting was you know, was this new media. It wasn't hard for anybody to do, but no one was really no one was really taking it on like they were other parts of media. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but I had this blog on relationships and my buddy was like, how about you do a podcast? And I was like, all right, well, that's sure. I like talking. And we started doing this podcast and I started really liking it. I got involved with uh, Veteran Empire, which is a, a veteran focused and inspired um, clothing company. And I started doing a podcast for them that was high, that was uh, featuring veterans that are doing like creative things outside the military, music, art, stuff like that. Uh, and then 
that just started, then I started lost in entertainment and I was like, oh, this would be awesome. I should have like my own network. And so I started doing the Capital Experience, which is a podcast that uh, focuses on Washington, D.C. I started uh, Tim and Brandon's Bromantic Comedy that I do with me and uh, one of my best friends. And then just most recently started the One Too Many Veteran Suicide Project. You have so much going on all at the same time. And I'm guessing that you're used to talking about military experiences more than your own personal experience. Yes, it's true. Uh, you know, especially with the, the Veteran Suicide Project, a lot of people have, um, you know, they, they want me to come on and talk to them about the uh, about the Veteran Suicide Project, my own my own, um, you know, experiences with that and and what it what it means in the veteran space. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite often talking about my military experience and what's going on in the veteran space and uh, not much else of my life really gets touched on when I'm when I'm a guest on other shows. I'm pretty transparent with my life, and so I like to be able to take the, the experiences that I have and, and share them with people. Well, I like to make sure that all of the guests on our show are very comfortable, so please take your time, and perhaps you could start by telling us a little bit just about your life before it happened and ease us into your experience. My father was in the, in the military, and I surprisingly lived there my entire life. My dad got kept on getting stationed there, so um, I had a military family that didn't really experience a true military life, and you know, grew up uh, sort of tr what I would think would be sort of a normal childhood. You know, uh, two parents, friends, you know, going through K through through twelfth grade, and one morning I uh, I woke up and you know I was a senior in high school, seventeen years old, and. I, I walked into my bathroom and, you know, did a little morning stretch and saw this golf ball sized lump uh, sort of come from underneath my collarbone and sit on the side of my on my side of my neck. Uh, I didn't really, you know, the, the bump sort of, you know, I saw it then I sort of touched it. I was like, that's weird. And I turned my head to look at the other side and realized there's no bump on the other side either. So uh, clearly that was not supposed to be there. And, uh, you know, we, you know, the first thing I did, of course, was go to mom and like, ah, uh, there's a lump on my neck. And my mom, of course, you know, quickly panicked. She's like, oh, I'm sure it's just a cyst. It's just a cyst. I'm sure it's, um, you know, it, it, it's probably nothing. And for I don't, I don't, something told me it was cancer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I really believe in like true intuition or if I just accepted the worst possible scenario uh, right away so I could only be relieved. But uh, part of me felt like you, it was more serious than uh, than than not. Um, had an ultrasound to find out that it wasn't a cyst, that it was a tumor, um, and then they did a they did surgery to remove it and a biopsy a biopsy. And I was I was just coming out of my anesthesia from the from the surgery when the doctor came in and told us that it was in fact Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so, for those people that have never heard of Hodgkin's Lymphoma. Would you tell us a little bit about what that is? The Hodgkin's lymphoma are cancer in your lymph nodes, uh, traditionally found either like in your in your neck or chest, your abdomen, or like in your groin. So at this point, when you were told that that was your diagnosis, how are you feeling? Did it register with you right then? Fortunately, you know, I was still a little hopped up off of the, <laughs> the anesthesia, so. <laughs> Um, I do remember, like, my mom, I do remember watching my mom, like, hang her head 
um and and worry and i remember like just <laughs> being sort of being zoned out like mom i have cancer like it was i didn't really it didn't really register with me what was going on but that was, that was my first response was mom i have cancer um like you know hey we just found out that the that the you know the yankees won the world series mom um like i said it so <laughs> casually like hey th- th- we just got news on something um when I finally made it home, you know, a couple hours after that and sort of it started setting in, uh, you know, I was optimistic because I still felt good. You know, and that's the one thing that, um, you know, leading up into it, you know, we were able to we took some of the symptoms that the doctor was talking to telling us about um, as far as like, you know, cancer can make you, you know, droggy and can remove energy and stuff like that. And it started making sense, like sort of the. Uh, lethargic approach that I had to like doing simple tasks and stuff like that, but nothing really seemed off. I just felt lazy. Um, and maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it was cancer. Maybe I was just being a lazy teenager, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but you know, I still felt good, you know? So once surgery was over and I was able to recover from that, uh, I felt like a normal teenager. So it was actually really hard for me to, feel bad or worried or anything about having cancer because I physically felt good. I mean, I was still break dancing with my friends and I still had an active life with, you know, with all of them. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it felt fine physically, which, you know, as we all know, you know, your body and mind sort of work together. So, um, mentally I was in a pretty good place still. That's good to hear that you were optimistic going into it. And I do wonder if that can help aid a very successful recovery in the long run. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a good question. I I'm sure that my my optimism at least had a had a good effect on the way on how quickly I got over the, you know, because chemotherapy can really like beat your body up and. Um, I'm sure that my optimism had something to do, was able to help my body endure a little bit better, put, you know, to, uh, tolerate the, the effects of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'd be really interested to see, you know, psychologically, um, what your mindset does to your bodies, um, see if there's any correlation between, um, an optimistic mindset and a recovery from cancer. Oh, that would be interesting research to get into. That's for sure. So what happened next? Did you guys sit down and kind of have a discussion about what your options were? Or were you just kind of told, here's the path you're going to take now? Yeah, you know, so I'm a senior in high school. I clearly want this to be over around the time that I graduate. You know, I want to be able to, um, I don't want to last any longer than that part of my life did. So, uh, you know, we walk, we go to uh, Seattle Cancer Care Alliance, which is for, which is like one of the best hospitals in the world for Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I was really fortunate for it to be right in my backyard. And yeah, I sat down with my oncologist and another doctor, and we talked about sort of what Hodgkin's, um, what it was. Where you know, so I had uh, was stage two, so it the the tumor. There was another tumor um, of a much smaller size in my chest, um, and cancer cells were found in my chest and in my abdomen. Um, and so they believed that um, you know a few cycles of chemotherapy would be enough to take control of the of the cancer cells. And that some radiation would really help reduce the size of that of the of the tumor. So, you know, being the optimistic kid that I, that I was, at the time I'll you know I wasn't like refuting anything. I was like, yeah, sure, like, let's just do whatever we have to do wow. um, to get this over with. Especially since 
you know, I was still under my, you know, as 17 years old, I was still under my father's um, TRICARE uh, health insurance from the Navy. So it was it was sort of a combination of being young and just wanting to get o- over with and sort of taking advantage of the fact that it was being more or less covered, all you know, most of my treatment. So, you know, those two things plus their, you know, they were confident that that was enough to take care of my situation. So, um, yeah, we just we rolled with. Three three cycles of chemotherapy, which one cycle was two visits, um, and then um, and then about a month of radiation when that was done. And so take us there with you. What was it like being in that situation? You know, I remember the, the first time I went in. You know, yeah, I have no idea what to expect. You know, there's so many things in life that people can tell you. You know, when you get your tonsils taken out, you know, you can probably go on Facebook and ask the question to have four or five people respond with what you can expect to, you know, when your tonsils get taken out. It's not like I could call many of my friends and ask them like, Hey, like the last time you got chemotherapy, what was that like? So, you know, I went in, um, you know, and everybody's chemotherapy is different on like how it treats their body. So the one or two people that I was able to talk to, even their experiences, you know, I wasn't confident that that was going to be the same because the age difference and the type of cancer and the, and how strong the drug was. And, um, so you know, I, I go in there and, you know, it's it was sort of weird. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, like I was at, on most days that I went for chemotherapy um, when I was amongst other patients. I mean, I would be the, like, the youngest by like 20 years at least. Um, and so it was sort of that's when reality really hit me of like, man, this really is different. Like this is something like now I understand, like I started to understand better why, friends and family and and my teachers like really were shocked at my situation and why like it really uh why they were so concerned about it because it's not something you know you would expect a teenager to have to go through um but my first came up i remember having this really awesome chicken wrap from from (laughs) from the uh the hospital cafeteria and i i the thought of the that same taste May would make me nauseous for at least a year moving forward because my body associated that chicken wrap I had um, while I was getting chemo with the effects that the drug had on my body, and I couldn't, I wasn't able to eat that. I wasn't able to like think about eating like that same style chicken wrap for a good like year without feeling nauseous. I remember that being one effect that um, that that experience had on me. I remember. Uh, couple I had chemotherapy probably a couple of days before Christmas it was right it was sometime it was like the week of Christmas I can't remember it was before or after and I'm sitting there and I see this guy walk through like with those IV towers like he's rolling one of those IV towers and you know there's the bag that's being hung up top and I you know by you know you sort of trace the um, the line and then it, I noticed that the line the IV line went straight past his arm. And I looked down and there was like this little kid sitting at the base of this IV tower, um, sort of being strolled around by his dad. And the kid was the one receiving the chemotherapy. Wow. Um, and, but the kid wasn't making a noise. Like he was just sitting there while, looking at his dad, looking at everything that he saw while he was being rolled through. And it was really, uh, you know, it was really touching. It was like, uh, you know, I didn't feel bad about my situation, but it definitely removed any any doubt that I had of that I'm, you know, on what sort of impact this had on my life. Cause if, you know, this little kid sitting at the base of this, not making a peep while he's being pumped full of poison, um, then clearly this is something that, you know, that, I, that I can handle. And this is a great example of how, um, you know, 
the the way you approach your problems is is really important. So um, that was that was probably the single most powerful moment that I had um, in those in those six visits of chemotherapy that I had. Wow. Well, thank you so much for taking us there and sharing that with us. I'm really hoping that people that unfortunately will be going through this in the future can tap into this podcast and and know that if you Timothy can get through it and do it and create an amazing life, they can too. Absolutely. And it's, it's what's sort of funny uh, about it. You know, I, I got done, uh, I you know, finally, so, you know, six cycles of chemotherapy that the doctor wanted to do one more, but I felt he he told me that my cancer was good and that he thought that, um, you know, a month of radiation was all I needed, but you know, we could possibly do one more cycle just to be sure. And I felt really weird about the way that he was like approaching it. So I was like, no, whatever, let's just do the radiation and see how I'm sitting there. So I did like the month of radiation and afterwards my sort of my mindset being for like, you know, my mindset since going through this battle of cancer and getting treatments and like the impact that's had on my life, the gasp that I get when I like still like when I tell people I'm a cancer survivor, people are taken back from it. And I've sort of let that be the bar that I'm studying for myself. Like, well, if I'm a cancer survivor and that is he, you know, the bar is set here on the ladder of accomplishments. I have to make sure that that's not the last rung on the ladder that I, that gets put there. So um, what's really been interesting. And one thing I'm really, really grateful for is that I did have an opportunity to go through something as challenging as that early on in my life, because um, I try to remind myself that, um, that that can't be like the only accomplishment of its kind that, that gets done, that I have to continuously try to exceed that accomplishment and almost make that seem secondary to anything else that I do. And, you know, that's probably one of the, been, been, been one of the biggest drives um, for me personally. I just love that you're able to take what some people can perceive to be the worst thing they've ever gone through in their entire life, and you're able to turn it around and see the gift that can be in there. For something that is considered like a near-death experience, because had I, had nothing happened, I would have died, right? I mean, it was a it was a cancer inside my body, and it was spreading, and without it being addressed, uh, it would it would have killed me. But what's what's amazing is looking back on it, I only have like positive. I only have positive uh, memories when it comes to my experience with cancer uh, because of the fun that I was having with my friends at the time. Um, with the funny stories that I have about how cancer got me out of a speeding ticket and how it got me out of, uh, how, uh, you know, I was, I wasn't getting in trouble. I was getting, I was getting like out of trouble at school because of my situation. And, um, you know, it sounds weird. Like, oh, you can't use using, using the cancer card. Let me tell you, if you get dealt the cancer card, you play it as often as you can. Uh, but I just, I have so many good memories uh, about it and it's had such this positive influence on the way that I approach the rest of life that um, even though it's it's a tough subject for other people to like hear about and talk about um, I actually enjoy talking about it because um, there's just so there was so much optimism and such a positive um, energy flow coming out of it that I'm you know, I'm truly grateful for the opportunity to, to go through it so Timothy we really love stories here on this podcast. I would just love sure. if you could take us there and tell us about the speeding ticket. Yeah, so this is great, right? So um, so I lived I lived about an hour and a half away from my cancer hospital and it was just it was long enough to like wonder like we had to make this decision for this month of radiation of am I gonna drive there every day 
Or am I going to get like a hotel room near the hospital during the week and just stay there during the week? Well, I'm, I'm a senior in high school. Like this is like around, this is like the last month, you know, this was done in like April, I think of 2003. So it's like starting to become the exciting part about being a senior in high school. So I, uh, I, I wanted to just do the drive and we were able at my mom's church to work, you know, they raise money to help with good gas money and stuff like that. So, um, my mom often came with me, but you know, she had a, she had a full-time job. So to my dad, so, um, my mom would let me drive myself down there, assuming someone else came with me. So oftentimes a lot of my friends would come with me or my girlfriend at the time. And one time my best friend comes with me and, we take this like little back road uh, between highway and freeway, and there is like one section of it that goes from like 55 miles an hour to 35 miles an hour, and like the section is like two thirds of a mile long. It is not long at all. <laughs> so I'll, most time, you know, we usually don't bother with it, right? Because it's like it's it's in farmland. Like it doesn't need, like there's like one house near there that I think that warrants uh, that, uh, that makes it have to go down to 35 miles an hour. Um, and so I come around this, I come uh, sort of around this curve over this hill or something like that, and boom, there's a cop already sitting on the side of the road, and he already knows that I'm speeding, and he like w- like walks into the middle of the light, like oh, the, no. the road, and like waves me over, right? So I'm like, all right, good. So he pulls me over, and let me tell you, Gina, the one question that we don't understand what co- why cops ask it, it was golden the second he asked it. He walks up and he's like, what's your hurry? And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, I've been waiting for this. He's like, son, what's your hurry? And I was like, well, to be completely honest with you, officer, I'm on my way to Seattle Cancer Care Alliance to get set up with radiation treatment so I can finally overcome Hodgkin's lymphoma. And he said, he stared at me and he's like, all right, can I see your license and registration? And he takes it. And of course, like he looks at it, doesn't even go to his car, right? Like he just looks at it. He he gives it back to me and he's you know I had navy stickers on the car and he was like are you in the Na- are you in the navy I was like well my father is he's like all right like you know it's thirty five like you can see the look on his face of I would give this kid a ticket any other day but I just can't give him one with that sort of response and um, it was it was pretty golden uh, because I'm I have been pulled over <laughs> countless times in my life and. Every time an officer asks me, what's the hurry or where are you headed? I'm always like, rolls my eyes. Like, that information doesn't matter here. Um, but, but this one time, I was so excited to be, finally have an answer to that question. Um, and, yes, I, I got out of uh, what could have been a 20-plus. Uh, you know, I was, I was clearly – I went from a 55 to a 35, so I was clearly going 20 miles over the speed limit uh, when, he, when he pulled me over. So it could have been a hefty, hefty ticket, and I got out of it because I was on my way to battle cancer. That's such a great story. I feel like I'm there right with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> we all know, right? We all, we all, uh, we always get that question asked us. And even like, even, even the ones that we think are like legitimate, like, oh, my, you know, my wife is giving birth to our kid or something like that. Even that I'm sure is either like overused or doesn't work. Uh, but this was like, so I was like, this is so unique, but still so powerful that I'm, I'm sure this is going to at least get a good response out of him. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, it's one of my favorite stories to tell. It's pretty good. Oh, that's so wonderful. And you were saying that you had your friend with you in the front seat. And that was going to be my next question is, what was it like for your friends? And was there an impact on your social life with this experience? They were really comforting and they were sympathetic. And 
<laughs> some people don't know how to respond to the <laughs> to the information that you just got cancer because like you know w- like with any conversation people want to resonate with you really quickly they want to be sympathetic and they want to like make a connection with you and so <laughs> there's a couple times where they're like oh man i heard about what happened and i'm like yeah you know i just got diagnosed last week we're talking to the doctors this week about how to approach it and they'd be like oh yeah like my my uncle just died of cancer <laughs> oh. <laughs> And I and I, I would just I would just laugh because clearly they're trying to make a connection. They're trying to like show some sort of sympathy or like they understand or whatever. But it was always about like a family member who was like dying of cancer or just dying. And I was like, thanks for the support, buddy. Um, but you know, my luckily my my really good friends quick knew right away that I didn't want to be treated any differently. Um, and I made sure that the way that I talked to them and the way that I did things, you know. Uh, I conditioned them uh, to not treat me differently. I didn't want any sort of like different sort of care. Um, of course, if I had a favor to ask for any part of, particular reason, they, you know, they were quick to, to quick to respond. But you know, they never treated me any differently. They never went out of their way to do something that they wouldn't have normally that they wouldn't have done before I was diagnosed. So it was um, that was really reassuring because it just became this challenge that I was going through and they were supportive of it and not this like shift in social dynamics all of a sudden, just because I have this, uh, you know, this um, challenge in my life. And it, but looking back on it, I'm actually now even more impressed and grateful for the friends that I had in that time. Cause I look at pictures and like my hair's thin, I'm pale white. I don't look um, healthy. Uh, I don't look like unhealthy, but it's clear it's something like it, it's clear something's going on in my life. And for them to be able to look that in the face every day and treat me the way that they did is really, really impressive. And um, just shows the the type of character that all of my friends had at the time. And, you know, it was fun. Um you know, mom and dad were obviously they wanted their son to have fun. So, you know, allowance was kicked up a little bit more every every week. And, um, you know, I couldn't I couldn't have a job. So, um, you know, I would you know, my parents would, you know, kick me a few extra bucks to go see a movie and stuff. So I was able to be active in my social life and go do things with my friends. So that was that was nice. But the one thing that I that my you know, my friends truly truly did for me was just not treat me any differently and looking back on the way that my physical appearance was it's um it's amazing that they were able to to not give away any sort of like discomfort they had uh with the with what was what was going on in my life that is really amazing and if somebody was to find out right now that somebody very close to them had cancer or something that they were dealing with what would you give for tips or suggestions of how they could respond you know, ask base, general questions about it. Like, get to this is one thing that I've, and maybe this is why I'm so good at interviews and and stuff, Gina. Now is because um, I know what it's like to to go through a real problem and have a real situation in my life that I actually have no problem with talking about. And when someone had, like, I I walk up to people with that are missing legs. I'm like, how'd you lose your leg? And what's it like to not have one and stuff like that. I'm very like direct and objective about my questions, and um, and I get open ans- open and honest answers about it. And I think that in most cases, and you know, you'll know whether this is um, uh, this is best for your situation. But usually, just asking, you know, getting getting to understand what's going on. Like, okay, all right, well, that's oh, that's unfortunate. I'm I'm sorry, you know, clearly it's a it's a bad situation. But like, what? So what does that mean? Does that mean uh, uh, chemotherapy? Does that mean radiation? Like, 
um, you know, what stage are you in and what differences between the stage before and stage after? Like, ask objective questions and, like, one, um, you know, you're showing just true concern uh, because you're you want to know what they will have to go through. But you're just showing general genuine curiosity to what it is they're experiencing. Um, treating anybody any differently um, is probably uh, a bad approach, not a bad approach, but. Um, it's not, it's not the ideal approach. Um, I think most people that are going through some sort of, um, some sort of physical challenge in their life. And I would say cancer is in that category. Uh, you know, clearly we don't want any, uh, unnecessary change in the way that we're talked to and treated, um, just because we're now the one dealing with this challenge and, um, you know, now than the woman were before, but just genuine curiosity to what's going on in their life, um, asking them, be very straightforward. Like, okay, is there, what do I need to do now? Like, is there something that I should know, uh, moving forward on like how you're like, if you tell me you're feeling a certain way, how should I respond to that? You know, cause there was, uh, there were times, you know, I was still break dancing. I, was, I, I used to break dance in high school and, um, I remember one day uh, I got nauseous because I could feel the chemotherapy like rush through my, my blood again. And I got nauseous and I had to stop. And because I told my buddy Eric, who I used to break dance with, what you know, he was aware of what was going on in my life. You know, when I was like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. Instead, of, you know, a couple months ago, he would have been like, ah, come on, you know, get up. You know, they, they, you know, they'd give me a hard time. But because, they, you know, they were aware of my situation, it was like, all right, cool, Tim's good. And then, you know, it was it was a you know, they were they better understood what was going on in my life. So the signals that I gave them of some some difficulty that I was having, they were able to um, you know, they were able to adjust what was going on in the dynamic better because of that. I like it. So what I'm hearing you say is that if you are comforting somebody or trying to get to know about somebody who's had one of these experiences, that it is okay to ask questions and be specific yes. about what it is that you would like to know. And you're suggesting if you are the one going through the experience to let everybody know what's happening and what to expect and how it's possible they can best support you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a good uh, a, uh, a good parallel to that is I get really grumpy when I'm hungry and the people around me know that. And so if there's something that chemotherapy does to you um, that you notice changes your mood or your physical abilities, just letting people know that um, is is like the same sort of information like, hey, look, I. Uh, I had treatment on Wednesday, so uh, I may not be as fast paced today. You know, I'll let you know if I need to slow down or something like that. Um, and just that basic information makes it so it's not uncomfortable to talk about. People get the information they need, and it's a learning experience for everybody. I love it. Well, that's great information, Timothy. Thank you for sharing that with us. Absolutely. So while you were going through this experience, was there anybody that helped you through or books or audio that you would like to share? Uh, I was really big into music. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I could. I was probably listening to a lot of Linkin Park and Stained and stuff at the time. So very like uh, emotionally deep uh, music. I don't know if I was reading many books. I was going. I was in a. I was in a youth group at the time. I was. Um, I was a part of two church youth groups, and that that really helped. I went. I don't know if. Um, the, the religious aspect of it was really strong, but just the general atmosphere that being in a, um, in a church group has, uh, was really beneficial because you have this built in support group that, um, that is there on a regular basis. And, um, 
you know, what, despite what you may believe or not believe within religion, there is a power, uh, there is a, you know, meditative power inside of prayer and stuff like that. So I, I think that there was definitely um, a benefit uh, benefit there, but I don't, I'm just now getting into reading. So I definitely, there was definitely no book in my life that, uh, <laughs> that I was reading. Um, I, yeah, I think, uh, just, I think just music that was helping me sort of cope with my everyday emotions was, uh, was about as close as I got to a, a certain media. Awesome. Well, thank you. I will share that with our audience in the show notes as well. Wonderful. Is there anything else about this experience that you would like to share with us, Timothy? Oh, man. Cancer is powerful. I mean, the word, uh, it, you know, has like owned part of our society in a way, if you look at it. And, um, you know, it's it can be it can be scary. But with the you know, it was so amazing that like going into Tony had cancer. And of course, I felt like, oh, man, that means like almost death. Right. And then I go in and they tell me, well, there's like a 95% success rate within your age group in this type of cancer. And I was like blown away. I was like 95% success rate. That's a, that's like nothing. Like I feel like I feel like pneumonia probably has a better chance of killing him than cancer does. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so there's, you know, I, it's not easy. I, you know, the Lawson family is three for three on getting diagnosed and, and surviving. Um, you know, I had Hodgkin's lymphoma when I was 17, just a few years ago, my mom, um, my my mom battled uh, breast cancer and overcame. My dad just got done um, with prostate cancer, and you know, I actually well, I came out of it the easiest because you know my my mom lost one of her breasts and my dad had to go through uh, his own type of surgery, and uh, I just had to go through some chemo. But you know, it's uh, there's different levels of you know, physical impact that, that cancer is going to have on your life, but the options that they, there are for you to battle it, overcome it, and move on with your life is really tremendous. And the just the, the different mindset that you get put into is really amazing as well when you overcome uh, adversity like that. So uh, while cancer is a very scary thing and definitely, uh, you know, needs to be taken serious in every case, uh, it's something that doesn't necessarily have to be a negative, uh, negative experience. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. I would really like to have you back on the show one day because you just have so many experiences in your life that you could share. I, I would love to hear more about them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm sure that there is at least uh, as being a, a military member or someone who has battled suicidal behavior, a motorcycle rider, there's probably a lot of near death experiences uh, that uh, that are probably more true than uh, than I like to admit. But yeah, I, I, have, I have no problem with coming back on the show and talking to you, Gina. Well, thank you very much, Timothy. Thank you. Welcome back. I can't believe five years has gone by already since that interview, and it's still awesome to hear Timothy share such positive ways to overcome such a difficult problem. And I see the growth in myself as a podcast host. I feel like my interview skills were absolutely terrible. I was talking so fast, and I had no idea what I was doing back then because I just started. And if you're listening now, I encourage you to think, first of all, do you see that growth as well? And then if you want to use that towards yourself, what is something that you really want to do that maybe you're not good at now, but if you start now, 
in five years, you will be much more comfortable and confident and who knows where it's going to take you. So thanks for listening and thanks for being a part of our community. Happy Remembrance Day. Do feel free to take a look at the show notes where you will find all the links that were mentioned. You can just put in the search bar, Timothy at SynergyMindsetCoaching.com. Soon to be changing the website to update to the podcast name, Life's Valleys and Mountaintops. Stay tuned with new episodes to hear more. Thanks guys. Have a great day.